Section 13 of the Argonautica. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Argonautica by Apollonius Rhodius. Translated by R. C. Seton. Section 13. Book 3. Part 5. Then Aetes arrayed his breast in the stiff corslet which Ares gave him when he had slain Phlegraean Mimas with his own hands, and upon his head he placed a golden helmet with four plumes, gleaming like the sun's round light when he first rises from ocean, and he wielded his shield of many hides, and his spear, terrible, resistless. None of the heroes could have withstood its shock now that they had left behind Heracles far away, who alone could have met it in battle. For the king, his well-fashioned chariot of swift steeds, was held near at hand by Phaeton, for him to mount, and he mounted, and held the reins in his hands. Then from the city he drove along the broad highway, that he might be present at the contest, and with him a countless multitude rushed forth. And as Poseidon rides, mounted in his chariot, to the Isthmian contest, or to Tainarus, or to Lerner's water, or through the grove of Hyantian on Cestus, and thereafter passes even to Calorea with his steeds, and the Hemonian rock, or well-wooded Gerastus, even so was Aetes, lord of the Colchians, to behold. Meanwhile, prompted by Medea, Jason steeped the charm in water and sprinkled with it his shield and sturdy spear, and sword and his comrades round him made proof of his weapons with might and main, but could not bend that spear even a little, but it remained firm in their stalwart hands, unbroken as before. But in furious rage with them, Idas, Aphareus's son, with his great sword hewed at the spear near the butt, and the edge leapt back repelled by the shock, like a hammer from the anvil, and the heroes shouted with joy for their hope in the contest, and then he sprinkled his body, and terrible prowess entered into him, unspeakable, dauntless, and his hands on both sides thrilled vigorously as they swelled with strength. And as when a warlike steed, eager for the fight, neighs and beats the ground with his hoof, while rejoicing he lifts his neck on high with ears erect, in such wise did Aeson's son rejoice in the strength of his limbs. And often, Hither and thither did he leap high in air, tossing in his hands his shield of bronze and ashen spear. Thou wouldst say that wintry lightning flashing from the gloomy sky kept on darting forth from the clouds what time they bring with them their blackest rainstorm. Not long after that were the heroes to hold back from the contests. But sitting in rows on their benches, they sped swiftly on to the plain of Ares and it lay in front of them on the opposite side of the city, as far off as is the turning-post that a chariot must reach from the starting-point, when the kinsmen of a dead king appoint funeral games for footmen and horsemen, and they found Aetes and the tribes of the Colchians. These were stationed on the Caucasian heights, but the king by the winding brink of the river. Now Aeson's son, as soon as his comrades had made the hawsers fast, leapt from the ship, and with spear and shield came forth to the contest, and at the same time he took the gleaming helmet of bronze filled with sharp teeth, and his sword girt round his shoulders. 
his body stripped, in somewhat resembling Ares, and in some wise Apollo of the golden sword. And gazing over the field he saw the bull's yoke of bronze, and near it the plough, all of one piece, of stubborn adamant. Then he came near, and fixed his sturdy spear upright on its butt, and taking his helmet, off lent it against the spear. And he went forward with shield alone to examine the countless tracks of the bulls, and they from some unseen lair beneath the earth, where was their strong steading, wrapped in murky smoke, both rushed out together, breathing forth flaming fire, and sore afraid were the heroes at the sight. But Jason, setting wide his feet, withstood their onset, as in the sea a rocky reef withstands the waves tossed by the countless blasts. Then in front of him he held his shield, and both the bulls with loud bellowing attacked him with their mighty horns, nor did they stir him a jot by their onset. And as when through the holes of the furnace the armourer's bellows anon gleam brightly, kindling the ravening flame, and anon cease from blowing, and a terrible roar rises from the fire when it darts up from below, so the bulls roared breathing forth swift flame from their mouths while the consuming heat played round him smiting like lightning but the maiden's charms protected him then grasping the tip of the horn of the right-hand bull he dragged it mightily with all his strength to bring it near the yoke of bronze and forced it down on to its knees suddenly striking with his foot the foot of bronze so also he threw the other bull on to its knees as it rushed upon him, and smote it down with one blow, and throwing to the ground his broad shield, he held them both down where they had fallen on their fore-knees, as he strode from side to side, now here, now there, and rushed swiftly through the flame. But Aetes marvelled at the hero's might, and meantime the sons of Tyndareus, for long since had it been thus ordained for them, near at hand gave him the yoke from the ground to cast round them. Then tightly did he bind their necks, and lifting the pole of bronze between them, he fastened it to the yoke by its golden tip. So the twin heroes started back from the fire to the ship. But Jason took up again his shield, and cast it on his back behind him, and grasped the strong helmet filled with sharp teeth and his resistless spear, wherewith, like some ploughman with a Pelasgian goad, he pricked the bulls beneath, striking their flanks, and very firmly did he guide the well-fitted plough-handle, fashioned of adamant. The bulls, meantime, raged exceedingly, breathing forth furious flame of fire, and their breath rose up like the roar of blustering winds, in fear of which, above all, seafaring men furl their large sail. But not long after that they moved on at the bidding of the spear, and behind them the rugged fallow was broken up, cloven by the might of the bulls and the sturdy ploughmen. Then terribly groaned the clods withal along the furrows of the plough as they were rent, each a man's burden, and Jason followed, pressing down the cornfield with firm foot, and far from him he ever sowed the teeth along the clods as each was ploughed, turning his head back for fear lest the deadly crop of earth-born men should rise against him first, and the bulls toiled onwards, treading with their hoofs of bronze. But when the third part of the day was still left, as it wanes from dawn, and wearied labourers call for the sweet hour of unyoking to come to them straightway, then the fallow was ploughed by the tireless ploughman, four plough-gates though it was, 
and he loosed the plough from the oxen. Them he scared in flight towards the plain, but he went back again to the ship, while he still saw the furrows free of the earth-born men, and all around his comrades hardened him with their shouts, and in the helmet he drew from the river stream and quenched his thirst with the water. Then he bent his knees till they grew supple, and filled his mighty heart with courage, raging like a boar when it sharpens its teeth against the hunters, while from its wrathful mouth plenteous foam drips to the ground. By now the earth-born men were springing up all over the field, and the plot of Ares, the death-dealer, bristled with sturdy shields and double-pointed spears and shining helmets, and the gleam reached Olympus from beneath, flashing through the air. And as when abundant snow has fallen on the earth, and the storm-blasts have dispersed the wintry clouds under the murky night, and all the hosts of the stars appear shining through the gloom, so did those warriors shine springing up above the earth. But Jason bethought him of the counsels of Medea, full of craft, and seized from the plain a huge round boulder, a terrible quoit of Ares Enyalius. Four stalwart youths could not have raised it from the ground even a little. Taking it in his hands he threw it with a rush far away into their midst, and himself crouched unseen behind his shield with full confidence. And the Colchians gave a loud cry, like the roar of the sea when it beats upon sharp crags, and speechless amazement seized Aetes at the rush of the sturdy quoit. And the earth-born, like fleet-footed hounds, leaped upon one another and slew with loud yells, and on earth their mother they fell beneath their own spears like pines or oaks which storms of wind beat down. And even as a fiery star leaps from heaven, trailing a furrow of light, a portent to men, who ever see it darting with a gleam through the dusky sky, in such wise did Aeson's son rush upon the earth-born men. And he drew from the sheath his bare sword, and smote here and there, mowing them down, many on the belly and side, half risen to the air, and some that had risen as far as the shoulders, and some just standing upright, and others even now rushing to battle. And as when a fight is stirred up concerning boundaries, and a husbandman, in fear lest they should ravage his fields, seizes in his hand a curved sickle, newly sharpened, and hastily cuts the unripe crop, and waits not for it to be parched in due season by the beams of the sun, so at that time did Jason cut down the crop of the earth-born, and the furrows were filled with blood, as the channels of a spring with water and they fell, some on their faces biting the rough clod of earth with their teeth, some on their backs, and others on their hands and sides, like to sea-monsters to behold, and many, smitten before raising their feet from the earth, bowed down as far to the ground as they had risen to the air, and rested there with the damp of death on their brows. Even so, I ween, when Zeus has sent a measureless rain, new-planted orchard shoots droop to the ground, cut off by the roots the toil of gardening men. But heaviness of heart and deadly anguish come to the owner of the farm who planted them. And so at that time did bitter grief come upon the heart of King Aetes. And he went back to the city among the Colchians, pondering how he might most quickly oppose the heroes. And the day died and Jason's contest was ended. End of section 13 End of book 3